tuning in you are listening to this week again i'm your host suzanne posel we're gonna start off this show with some maggot infighting move on to the latest attacks on the trans community and follow all of that up with a shocking new development to our ongoing docuseries to catch a traitor let's begin shall we oh boy you'll never believe it the girls are fighting According to several sources, multiple sources, it appears that Marjorie Taylor Greene called Lauren Boebert a bitch. The fight arose when Lauren Boebert decided to force a vote on an impeachment resolution against Joe Biden, thereby undercutting Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has also offered up an impeachment resolution, albeit without the procedural tool that would have forced that vote on the House floor. Marjorie Taylor Greene confirmed that she did indeed call Congresswoman Boebert a little B-word. As she doubled down on her remarks, quote, she has genuinely been a nasty little bee to me. Asked whether the two could ever reconcile. The congresswoman said, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, no. Insurrectionist Barbie and the former spokesperson for Geico are having it out. And I can't believe they forgot their mud pit and wrestling ring. So instead of a traditional Christian brawl, these two entitled white women decided to cluck it out in the main aisle of the House floor, ensuring lots of witnesses and full coverage from C-SPAN. Now, there is video footage of Mad Marge versus Little Miss GED, but the audio is missing. However, I was able to get a hold of a dramatic reenactment of the kaiju battle on the House floor, thanks to the wonderful world of lip-reading. Roll tape. Round one, fight. How dare you, you little miss hussy, coming onto the floor while I want to impeach Joe Biden? How dare you? You should be going back and getting your GED. Well, I was too busy sleeping with a preacher and a couple of other lawmakers who gave me the heads up. I cannot believe you would do this. Excuse me, mind your business. You are a little bitch. <laughs> So I'm not saying that's how it actually went down, but honestly, I can't think of any other way this was going to go. Think about it. Monster Truck Garage gets herself a new man, dumps her old one, and Lauren Boba Fett goes and totally copies her. And then Bobblehead takes it a step farther, announcing she's going to be a 36-year-old grandma, which is a game changer for Mousetrap Goober, who is 49 and obviously suffering from full-blown menopausal Karenness. Because the Neolithic fossil from Georgia said to whoever was standing next to her, hold my white claw, and filed what she's calling articles of impeachment against President Joe Biden. For what, you might ask? And to that, I'll raise you a question. Does it really matter? Because once OnlyFans Velma got wind of what Georgia's favorite clan mom had done, she quickly filed her own articles of impeachment against President Biden, which was really just a copy and paste with a small caveat that allowed the proposal to go straight to the House floor for a vote. And that's all it took for box color blonde to march her masculine looking legs over to the former wife of a sex offender and give it to her kaiju Karen style. <laughs> 
And speaking of making a scene in public, as we close out Pride Month, I thought it would be a perfect time to take a look at what Republicans have been doing lately. First up is the alleged pipe bomber from Georgia who made an appearance at a Republican Jesus-fueled conference financed by Turning Point USA, a right-wing organization headed by the deplorable Charlie Kirk. Musty Turncoat Garbage Pail was there to show her support for restricting women's rights to birth control and abortion, otherwise known as health care. And while taking questions from evangelically brainwashed teens about transgender people and bathrooms, this happened. Because when you when you're speaking out in your school to your school board, you and your father and your family, and you're standing up against men who are really a bunch of perverts in your locker room and your bathroom because they listen, they want to have sex with you. That's why they're in there. That's real. They're, it's not, they're not saying, oh, I identify as a woman and I'm only attracted to men. That is a lie. These are sexual predators. They're sexual predators. Ugh, sounds to me like Mad Marge is using the bathroom for unintended purposes. And honestly, I don't want to know why. What I do find fascinating is the bathroom debate ignores the fact that we all use a gender-neutral bathroom all the time. In fact, every day. That bathroom in your house, yeah, <laughs> that's a gender-neutral bathroom because everyone uses it. And I don't hear bigoted box-color bitches like George's favorite clan mom complaining about that. No, they're not making a big deal out of all bathrooms because they know at the end of the day what they're saying is total bullshit. And who better to tell us about the GOP's anti-trans agenda than the fraud father himself? Roll tape. I will keep men out of women's sports, okay? Who would even think that you could allow this? Who would say that this is okay? These people are sick. They're deranged. On day one, I will immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, and other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on our children. It's amazing how strongly people feel about that. You see, I'm talking about cutting taxes. People go like that. Talking about, talk about transgender. Everyone goes crazy. Who would have thought five years ago you didn't know what the hell it was? Funny, not funny how Dolt45 recognizes that his base loves it when the GOP go after trans people. And why shouldn't they? They finally have permission to display their hatred and bigotry in public and with the backing of a major political party. It's the way the Southern strategy architect Lee Atwater dreamed it would be using white people's natural tendency towards prejudice and hatred against them, giving their KKK-based philosophy credibility by adopting it to the Republican platform, and voila. You've produced actual human waste of space and grifters like Charlie Kirk, the pasty incel I mentioned earlier, who actually questioned the wokeness of ketchup and mustard while promoting maggot brand coffee. Show is brought to you by Blackout Coffee. It is powered by Blackout Coffee. Family owned, 
100% committed to conservative values from sourcing the beans to the roasting process. Super happy to partner with them. We are now having to, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, I'm going through my kitchen, I'm going to my refrigerator, and I'm starting to ask the question, well, is this ketchup bottle woke? Is this mustard? I mean, literally, we're at the place now where we have to go through, is the company that makes this... And that right there, kiddies, was the mentally challenged musings of an overcompensating underfucked white guy who has been using impotent rage to build his bigoted empire by partnering with companies who specialize in anti-woke products. Because we all know empathy toward others makes mustard and ketchup taste like oppression. And don't even get these poorly educated crackpots started on reading. It used to be fundamental before the woke came for the little golden books and started teaching all the Caucasian boys and girls about how people from other races, sexual orientation, and religions live, which is a stupid reason for being against something in the first place. I mean, who doesn't want their child to be kind and considerate to others, especially to people who live different lives than they do? And that's why Los Angeles School Board President Jackie Goldberg has had enough of Republican Jesus representatives trying to ban the Libidiqua community out of existence through school libraries. I read you the entire book. It had one sentence. Families can also be two parents that are mothers and two parents that are fathers. But here's what really scares me. When you have two or three days of this kind of chaos, of people screaming at the top of their lungs outside a school that read a book with one sentence in it that said, yeah, guess what? Families can include two moms and two dads. By the way, at the little discussion at the school after that, as soon as the book was over, one of the little girls sitting at my knees said, I have two mommies. But a little boy on my other side said, I have five grandmas. The idea that there are different kinds of families, the people screaming out at the streets, they didn't get a chance to find out about that because they made a decision based on hearsay. They made a decision based on agitators, not from their community, but from outside their community who saw an opportunity to take advantage of the real fears of people. It's quite telling that it only takes one sentence to drive Republican Jesus freaks into a tantrum meant to scare children, teachers, and anyone else with an earshot of their impotent rage. One sentence saying two mommies or two daddies and the book has to be banned because any book that doesn't tout the conservative Christian perception of family must encourage empathy toward others in children. And hey, we could not have that, can we? They would rather a Nazi-esque book burning and elect people who pass laws that reflect their bigoted views that show an ounce of sympathy toward others as an abomination to what God wants. There is a small dimly lit light at the end of this tunnel, and surprise, surprise, it's coming from Arkansas. I am absolutely as shocked as you are, but a judge in Arkansas recently gave the Libidiqua community a legal win that they can use in other states when it comes to combating anti-gender affirming care bills. Roll tape. 
out of Arkansas, where a federal judge has now struck down the state's ban on gender-affirming care for minors. The judge says the ban violates the First and Fourteenth Amendment rights for trans kids in the state. The law enacted in Arkansas, it banned not only puberty blockers and other hormone treatment, but also surgery for trans youth. Uh, judge James Moody Jr. writes, quote, rather than protecting children or safeguarding medical ethics, the evidence showed that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients, and that by prohibiting it, the state undermined the interests it claims to be advancing. Now, that right there, folks, is a win. A federal judge in Arkansas, the same state now run by Butternut Bersconi's former press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who just recently loosened child labor laws to combat the work shortage created by cheapskate business owners who don't want to pay their employees a fair wage, told the entire state that banning gender-affirming care is medically detrimental to the person seeking it, which also happens to be the opposite of what asshole Christians say that it will do. Banning gender-affirming care to children is also a violation of a doctor's First Amendment right to free speech by preventing the doctor from referring their patients to specialists or other doctors, which happens to be a common practice in medicine. Oh, and it also discriminates against children based on their sex because the law says that they can only receive health care in line with the sex assigned to them at birth. And on top of that, the federal judge from Arkansas ruled that banning gender-affirming care to minors violates their and their parents' 14th Amendment rights by taking away the parents' right to medical decisions for their own children. Now, this is all good news. Since a federal judge made this ruling, it is now precedent and could be used in future cases, perhaps by parents of transgender children living in states that aren't Arkansas. For example, over 400 anti-gender affirming care bills are out there in states like the ones who seceded from the union 150 years ago, along with Yankee bigots like... Dakota, both North and South, Montana, Indiana, just to name a few. And I hope that those parents do go after them. And while we're on the subject of bad ideas having real world consequences, did you know that Republicans have been trying to silence researchers who track conspiracy theories and disinformation online because that's what their entire platform depends on? Republican efforts to undermine research aimed at studying conspiracy theories on Capitol Hill and in the courts. Republican lawmakers and activists are mounting a sweeping legal campaign against universities, think tanks, and private companies that study the spread of disinformation, accusing them of colluding with the government to suppress conservative speech online. These researches have really been crucial. They've been on the front lines of finding some of these conspiracies as they start and documenting them. And if that research is gone, there suddenly disappears a really important part of the fact-checking system that's come up around the internet. These researchers have no power. They can't delete anything from the internet. They're not doing, as these people claim, uh, some sort of mass deleting of information on the internet that they don't like. First off, isn't it funny Republicans call it suppressing conservative speech when you point out to them 
that what they're saying is a conspiracy theory or just indisputably factless. Obviously, this isn't about free speech or censoring it just because one side is stating a fact. The other side is repeating bullshit that they've heard from Fox, not a news channel, or during a Jabba the Hutt rally. And we both know those sources have no basis in reality. What this is actually about is Republican politicians know their base is dumber than dueling banjo players from the Appalachian Mountains, will believe anything that confirms their already deeply held biases, and want whatever tinfoiled stupid that comes to mind to be taken seriously, plain and simple. The problem is those same Republican politicians are just pretending to give a shit about their base being known as the town idiot for complaining about globes being sold as paperweights. And for that matter, they're also pretending to do their job. You know, the one they were elected to do. Case in point. The conehead-shaped butthead impersonator turned alleged child sex trafficker from Florida, Mr. Matt Gates, who himself is an actual member of Congress, hosted a fake congressional hearing on January 6th. Congressional Republicans were holding their own bizarro hearing about January 6th. Now, the witnesses ranged from January 6th rioters all the way up to Jeffrey Clark, the person Trump wanted to appoint as his acting attorney general in the final days of his administration so that Jeffrey Clark could declare the election stolen. And it suggested that January 6th was actually an inside job perpetrated by the deep state. This hearing was chaired by Florida Congressman Matt Gates who is not actually the chair of a congressional committee. It wasn't a real hearing. Congressional Republicans are still trying to convince the public that the insurrection was actually an FBI plot and the real victims here are the rioters. And joining Six Head Gates at this fake congressional hearing, complete with bad lighting and Veritas Gravitas level acting, were fellow maggots like the 36-year-old grandma from Colorado, who has been trying really hard to rebrand Mayor McTreason's attempt to overthrow our U.S. government. It's also totally hilarious that Gates, who is also allegedly a January 6th co-conspirator and on special counsel Jack Smith's radar, playing pretend while he is a real member of the House of Representatives. See, I don't know for a fact the alleged sex trafficker from Florida suggested having this fake congressional PR stunt to his fellow alleged insurrectionist Republican colleagues. And they said hell no, because it's laughably embarrassing to play pretend at your job. So Florida's biggest forehead decided to have the hearing anyway. I just know it's true. And while we're discussing pathetic stunts pulled by government officials, if you, like the rest of America, have been wondering why Scooby-Coo has yet to be indicted for his role in January 6th, well, there is a very terrible explanation for that. The U.S. Department of Justice initially resisted opening an investigation into former President Donald Trump and his associates' role in January 6th and efforts to overturn the 2020 election. That's according to exclusive investigative reporting by The Washington Post. Oh, wow. That does not sound good at all. (laughs) 
And, you know, I can't stop thinking about that mantra from all the networks about how we should be patient and trust the process. And Merrick Garland is working hard behind the scenes. So, okay. Okay. All right. So how bad could this be? This whole procrastinating on investigating America's first insurrection against itself, starring Marlardo? Quote, a wariness about appearing partisan, institutional caution and clashes over how much evidence was sufficient to investigate the actions of Trump and those around him all contributed to the slow pace. Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco charted a cautious course aimed at restoring public trust in the department, while some prosecutors below them chafed, feeling top officials were shying away from looking at evidence of potential crimes by Trump and those close to him. And inside the Justice Department, some have complained that the Attorney General's determination to steer clear of any claims of political motive has chilled efforts to investigate the former president. You couldn't use the T word. Oh, yeah, this is so bad. I, I don't even know where to start. First off, a nation governed by laws should not give in to the political appearance of anything when it comes to enforcing those laws that we have all agreed to. And that includes any loser U.S. president who decided to organize, stage, and then go watch his own insurrection from the safety and comfort of the White House dining room. You've got evidence of the tangerine ball bag doing crimes. But then you bring that evidence forward regardless of what whining Jim Jordan or the worst Kevin in the house is going to say about it on Fox, not the news channel for the next couple of weeks. That's because the law doesn't care about how confused Sean the neck Hannity is over the fact that his dear leader was caught on tape admitting that he still had classified documents in 2021, a year after he was fired from his previous job and neither should Merrick Garland. And since Bad things always happen in threes. Is there anything else about this bullshit that we should know about now? But the report notes that the delay in looking directly at Trump started in the period shortly after the attack on the Capitol. Quote, acting U.S. Attorney Michael Sherwin, senior department officials Paul Abate, the top deputy to the FBI, director Chris Wray, quashed a plan by prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office to directly investigate Trump associates for any links to the terrorist attack, deeming it premature, according to five people familiar with the decision. Instead, they insisted on a methodical approach, focusing first on rioters and going up the ladder. The strategy was embraced by Garland, Monaco, and Ray. According to the Post, the leaders at both agencies held on to that ladder-up approach to avoiding Trump even as evidence emerged that Trump and his allies had schemed to overturn the election weeks before their henchmen laid siege to the Capitol. Well, that's just fucking fantastic. All this time, we've been watching shit-smeared rioters get their prison sentences and told by all the networks that this is a good thing. And don't stop believing one day, maybe in the perceivable but not even penciled into the calendar somewhere future there would come a time when the danger yam would be the reason why orange is the new orange and don't get me wrong it's been lovely sweetening my tea with maggot tears fresh from the realization that their actions actually do have consequences 
But we watched Germany go right ahead, arrest the top guy, along with 30 of his closest co-conspirators. And that happened all before they were able to insurrect. Here, in the white privilege capital of the world, we see the whole thing on live television. And the ringleader still, as of the recording of this show, still has not been brought on federal charges. And not for nothing, but we would not be in this CW level drama of trying to decide whether the traffic cone of treason can run for president while being tried for espionage and other fun things if Merrick Garland hadn't left the strategizing to Dolt 45's appointee to the FBI Christopher Ray. Thanks a lot, Merrick. I mean, why would you want to be in a hurry to indict Dingus for his participation in the failed attempt to overthrow our government anyway. It's not like Dingus Khan was ever going to admit to committing these crimes that he's been accused of in a court of law so far. But uh, wait, Clown Ligula was just on Fox, not the news channel with Brett Baer, who decided to try and do some actual journalism, even though that's not a requirement of his employment and got some juicy nuggets that will definitely be used against the former Ofen office in a federal courtroom this summer. Here is a montage of the big Lebowski. Before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. Golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a presidential records act. Other presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had it. The Bushes had it. These are super sensitive national security documents. Biden has far more than anybody's ever kept. Right. There's a decision strongly that you can keep. But I wouldn't have kept, but they raided my house. They took everything, right? I don't know what they took. They could be stuffing it. I don't know what they put in there. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. Presidential Records Act, plus the act, plus the Clinton case. This no. is a weaponization of politics. This was a weaponization of the White House. This was a horrible thing. <laughs> and all Brett had to do was ask Voldemort on a question and he goes on a confession. <laughs> I got to think it's not just the embarrassment of going down in history as the ambulance chaser who defended Scooby Coo or the fact that it's old yeller who never met a bill he didn't pay with his own money. But when your client is going on national television, speaking on camera, which can be replayed for a live courtroom audience, <laughs> you should probably tell him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday and follow us all over social media wherever you can find us. We are available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening to this show. To Dur for now.